guys, welcome to episode four of the Festival Rules. I'm Josh Horowitz. And I'm Ben Lyons here at Sundance 2020. Thank you all for subscribing, for downloading, for listening to the first few episodes we posted of the Festival Rules. We are in the full festival swing of things. Yes, this is full Sundance mode Mach 10. Uh, we have been seeing a ton of movies, talking to a ton of cool people, including some that are coming up on today's show. So we want to tease a few things. Coming up a little bit later, we have director Danny Madden and producer Alec Baldwin. They have collaborated on a film that you're a big fan of, I know. Yeah, the film's called Beast Beast. It tells the story of uh, several kids in high school and their interwoven lives. And I don't want to give anything away, but it's a commentary about sort of the state of being a young person in 2020. And it's from producer Alec Baldwin, who was uh, a real joy to sit down and talk with. Very cool. And coming up a little bit sooner in the podcast today, uh, an amazing director who's here with a documentary called Rebuilding Paradise. We mentioned it earlier. Uh, Ron Howard is a guest today, and it's a great conversation. Well worth sticking it out for. We've also been seeing just a ton of movies. So last night, for instance, I saw the world premiere of Spree. Uh, it stars Joe Keery, who's going to be on the pod in a couple days, uh, produced by Drake, a commentary on social media that's super divisive, but well worth checking out. More to come on that one. Another film that sort of a uh, commentary on social media that we saw, Zola, yes. uh, which was inspired by a series of tweets, 140-something of them, right. uh, about these women who go down to Florida on an adventure and madness ensues. And yeah, social media kind of at the backbone of that film as well. Nicholas Braun, who's hysterical in the movie, uh, he's going to pop up on the festival rules at some point during our time here at Sundance. Exactly. We just came out of a double feature this morning, uh, Bad Hair, the follow-up from Justin Simeon. Eric Davis mentioned this one earlier on the pod too. Uh, we're going to be talking to Justin again on a future episode. This is a, a really bizarre, horror, social commentary. We'll get into it more deeply in a bit, but the one I want to mention right now is the movie we just came out of. Uh, it's called Wander Darkly, and uh, <sighs> Ben was a sobbing mess next to me for about 95 minutes. Oh my God, Josh, I'm still shaking from that movie. Um, it's the most beautiful film I can remember seeing. I, I'm really moved by it. I'm looking forward to talking with stars and the director and it's a movie that got me at the right time in my life and just crushed me but it was beautiful and i'm still processing it as we do this intro to the podcast in a storage closet i was wondering when you were going to mention at that. the nrdc lounge <laughs> big shout out to nrdc for for hosting us this weekend but this is also uh, part of the festival rules is that you just get in where you fit in that and we needed totally to find <laughs> we needed to find a space to do this intro that was somewhat quiet so here we are stacked amongst boxes and kombucha and uh, there's a lot of oat milk in here. Boy, this is like my wife's like my wife's dream pantry. Festival rule number 23, find a closet. Whatever you can do, just find a quiet closet. But, but it's great. At the beginning of the movies, they roll a little intro from John Cooper, the festival programmer, yep. and he shares some of his festival rules. And the first one is don't get caught up in the buzz. Just settle in. And that's what we're doing right now. Be nice to people. That's the second festival rule, which I've noticed people are, are taking uh, taking notice of. And people have been really kind on the buses and, and talking to us in the theater and the volunteers. Totally. And it's great vibe and great energy here. And great energy from our first guest uh, on the pod today. Uh, let's toss to our conversation with the director of Rebuilding Paradise. Uh, he's notoriously one of the nicest human beings in the business, and he certainly proved it in this chat. Always great to catch up with Ron Howard. Check it out. Mr. Ron Howard, director of the best films 
ever made oh, and some of the most you. moving documentaries in recent years, including this new one. Uh, welcome, Ron. Thank you very much. Good to talk to you again. Thanks for joining us on the Festival Rules. Josh and I were so deeply moved by Rebuilding Paradise. And I just want to start at the beginning of the movie, which is this devastating fire that wiped out a community. Your film opens with firsthand footage of this event. How did you begin the process of collecting all of that material? Well, we, we, we probably got there, I don't know, eight or 10 days after the fire and started, started um, you know, engaging, engaging with people, following people, coming to know the character of the town and some of the, and some of the, the, the individuals that we might, we might want to follow, hearing their story. And with most of those conversations, we were also you know, asking if others were in the fire. Did they video it? Did anyone else video it? We put, you know, notices out on FaceTime and it was really just a matter of casting a wide net and, uh, and collecting it. And, uh, you know, as Ann Parker, our producer was, was, got to know everybody and was on Facebook, you know, just, just asking if they had it. I, I, I asked, um, you know, police officers, uh, if I could see their body cam, uh, footage. And, and then I, then we asked if we could use it. And, and that's unbelievably emotional and powerful because you, you then recognize that the, these, these people were, they were in their community. Their community was burning and yet here they were at service rescuing people. But the emotional, uh, the sort of the, 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 the pull, the push and pull of that was uh, so human and, and very powerful. The, ben and I were talking about this after we both saw the film, the first 15 minutes of the film especially, or approximately, it really, it feels like you're watching like a disaster movie. I know. You're well, watching a Roland Emmerich horrible, like out of your worst nightmares. And, it, and my, it really puts you in those shoes. It's crazy. Much of it in, in point of view. Yeah. Because it's, you know, it's people having, turning their cameras and recording this. Uh, a, a couple of videographers uh, who had the presence of mind or the, or, 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 or they were just, you know, dazed and confused, but in the midst of all of it, took their, their, you know, their professional camera gear out and made some amazing recordings and shots. Uh, and, uh, it's, you know, I think that sequence is probably about as intense as anything I've ever been involved in. It's, you know, in, in, in my cinematic career. Then you get through that portion of the film and then you get into elements where you're setting up production and you're, consciously saying, okay, we're going to come and shoot you and film you and then yeah. try not to be a fly on the wall. It's a different muscle as a director. Yeah. So how are you aware of kind of that blend of the found footage mixed with well, setting up shoots? Well, the, the, you know, the, the found footage was our attempt to say, this is, you know, just, just understand what these people lived through. And occasionally we would go back to the found footage to remind uh, audiences that this, that, that not so long ago, you know, this is what they were escaping. This is what they were um, enduring. And, you know, this is not the story of a fire. It's the story of a community. And, and, and by the way, it could be any kind of disaster, but it's a community uh, facing uh, this kind of, uh, you know, uh, a traumatic long tail, you know, because it just, it just, the, the, uh, um, the emotions uh, uh, ne never stop um, kind of taking over the, you know, the, the, the moment it's, it's a version of post-traumatic, um, stress, but it's, uh, you know, it, that's what I was interested in is, you know, what will happen next? Once the cameras are gone, 
once the spotlight's off this this crisis, what's going to happen? And I, you know, like all of us, um, become kind of numb to those images that we see of catastrophes of all sorts. Um, by the way, whether they're shootings or war or, you know, let alone the natural and, and disasters and so forth. And um, and yet, because I, I had family in, in the area and my mother-in-law had lived in paradise for five years before she passed away. And so I'd been in that town. I understood the kind of small town that was. Uh, and um, uh, kind of quintessential Americana in a way. And so I, um, um, I couldn't stop thinking about it. And when I went to our, our documentary team uh, at Imagine, where Imagine Entertainment is really delving into this, this area. And we have Justin Wilkes and Sarah Bernstein who do a fantastic job. Uh, and, uh, and they said, let's, 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 see, let's see what there is. This is how you do it with Verite. You know, we don't know what the story is going to be. You don't know what the story is, but you care. Take a camera, take a crew, take a, take a producer, and, and get out there and, and, and see what you can learn. And um, it was immediately powerful, remarkable, and clearly there were going to be individuals who we would follow. And some of them we did follow. Some of them we met right away, and those are the people we followed. Otherwise, I think we were sort of attracted to the, to the, to the folks who were really— um, all in. I mean, they were, they were showing up. They were committed to trying to, to, to keep the community alive. Right. It's not an overtly political film. It really is, uh, as you said, it puts the human face on, on this tragedy and makes it very relatable for all of us. That being said, we're living in pretty turbulent, uh, traumatically turbulent times politically. Yeah. Um, are there, is there an agenda, and I don't mean that as a loaded term, yeah. I mean that it can be a, a positive aspect, um, a good that can come out of something like this, well, as far as you're concerned. Well, there was no, um, there was no thesis. There was just the question, you know, what's it, what's it going to be like to live through that? Yeah, second question was just, could they even rebuild? You know, so what would rebuilding be like if they even can or should? Uh, and, and so the, it was the people that we followed who were going to give us any answers. The film wasn't going to. Um, and uh, so people reference global warming because, you know, it's, it's, it, it, firefighters talk about it. You know, it's, it, they, they recognize, you know, how much things have, have changed. But it really is not a political film. It, it, but, but, it, but it does talk about society. And I do hope that it, it, it generates empathy for an audience so a sense of understanding um it's an interesting object lesson in problem solving because people aren't stonewalling each other in this circumstance they recognize they need to find solutions to these problems and we get to witness them absolutely by god doing it that's remarkable and i think that's you know there's a lesson in that uh for uh uh for all of us but i really do hope that people will will sort of say what well, how what would i need what would i ask of my neighborhood, my state, my nation, my people, myself, if, if I were to face something like this. I think, we, I, think, I think if we honestly begin to ask that question and not just say, oh, that's one of those things that happens, I think, um, you know, we'll, we'll be a better society. 
you've brought this for its debut to the Sundance Film Festival. I'm curious. I mean, I was doing some research. I couldn't tell if you've been here before. I've never been here. That's what I thought. Really? No, I've never, never, I've been, never here. been here for the festival. No, and so I'm... Well, so, Ron, I was, let us tell you everything. <laughs> what, any questions, Ron? Any I questions was, I mean, for us, Ron? I, I'm nervous and excited. I'm like a rookie. Bryce uh, has been here. I've talked to Bryce here. Yeah, yeah many yeah, times. She, was, she, she said, you're going to have fun, Dad. Uh, uh, <laughs> and uh, uh, don't get caught up... Uh, 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 in the swag lines, <laughs> she said, "There's a lot more, a lot else to see. People, can't, other people to see. can't tell from just listening to this, but Ron is covered head to toe. In <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And his publicist kind of is obnoxious. holding a guitar hero over there, and he's but, got promotional <laughs> vodka and all types of stuff with him. But, but it is remarkable that you have not been here, but you sat down in our chair before we started this conversation with the enthusiasm yeah. of the first-time filmmakers who do come here, well, who we interact with, to talk about your movie and this so, special place." So Sundance is special, and and no, I haven't been here. I haven't made the I haven't made the kinds of films that would you know uh, uh, that that would suggest you know and should be premiered here or seen here. But 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 what Robert Redford and and Sundance has done for the medium of movies just can never ever be uh, overstated. It's it's uh, I think I think in my career it's. It's the most important. It's the most important achievement. Is 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 what is what it's meant to um, American filmmaking. What it's meant to audiences. What it's taught audiences to look for and appreciate uh, the broadening of sensibilities and aesthetics. Uh, it's uh, it, it it it's it's uh, it, it's thrilling to finally be here and. And, and a home to documentary. We were just talking to Joseph Gordon-Levitt. I don't. I think. I think you can definitely attribute some of the success and obsession now with documentaries to the championing of Michael Moore's films, et cetera, mm. here at Sundance over mm. the years. Well, without a doubt, without a doubt. And then, and, and then, you know, Sheila and Evans at HBO really, you know, made it uh, taught people um, to to appreciate it in the same way that uh, American audiences have learned that there can be American art films that really speak to them and matter. Um, and um, that are not formulaic, that don't come from studios. That I, you know, I think the great doc, doc filmmakers and Sheila and HBO um, taught audiences that that there was a lot to learn and a lot to be engaged with and entertained by through through documentaries. And now, you know, this is where technology really is the friend of all storytellers because um, um, the specific audiences interested in specific aspects of the human experience are suddenly able to sort of galvanize into a market. It might be a small market, but it's enough of one that it's measurable and you can actually afford to make something. It's actually reasonable to go out and say, I want to tell this kind of story. It's not for everybody. It's for him or her and me. And we're, and that's enough. And that's thrilling. That, that's that, you know, and that's, um, it, it's, it, it's, it's a great time to be a creative, terrible time to try to be a di distributor or know what to finance and it's all of these things. It's just, yeah. it's just tough. <laughs> I, I can't, you know, but a great time to be a creator and a great time to be an audience member. It's so cool to hear you embrace that because obviously there was a large part of your career where you would make a movie, see how it did opening weekend yeah, and then and, kind of figure out what the next and, movie was. and try to make movies and TV shows for, you know, for everybody. And Hey, that's still a great thing. And it happens. And there are those movies that the kind of movies and TV shows where everybody gathers around the TV set or everybody goes to the movie because it's, a, it, it's something they really and truly can all share. And that's, it's fantastic, but it's just, it, but it's, uh, but it's also even better and more valuable uh, to, uh, to, to, to just be able to broaden that. And then of course, 
it informs everything. See, that's what's great is in, in, in my mind, um, you know, uh, it, it, the, 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 you know, uh, digital is, is iPhones. I mean, they're teaching people to shoot scenes in a different way, to think about, you know, images and sound and narrative and the way it can all kind of come together in ways that is, you know, it's just refreshing um, the art form. Well, that goes exactly into actually what I was just going to ask you about this. Obviously, you've been, especially in recent years, going back and forth between narrative and docs. Uh, you have the Pavarotti film last year. You're very prolific in both realms. And it does seem like you, you don't see them necessarily as super distinct. You're able yeah. to, they, they oh. bleed into each other and okay. serve each other. I'm going to drop a name now. So I was, I was in Toronto. Uh, our company has a, a documentary about the band. Um, and once we're brothers, Robbie Robertson, Martin Scorsese is an executive producer. It's premiering in Toronto. We were very proud to be a part of it. We, we went. We're in this talking to Martin Scorsese about another project that he's very interested in making. And he lights up talking about this. And I said, man, you seem like, you know, this doesn't look like 76. This is like 26. You know, you're I, just you're so fired up about getting this, this film made and this documentary made. He said, you know, I don't really use that word. To me, you know, they're all pictures. Uh, and, uh, and, and what we've all learned is th there's sort of different ways to approach different subjects. That's all. And I, I, uh, I love that. And I, um, you know, I think, I think we should all embrace that. Is one of the projects that you might embrace um, based off of your buddy Brian Grazer's Instagram and his love of huevos rancheros and <laughs> Abbott Kinney and eating brunch and filming himself? What? At every meal, we're in, well. We're we're involved with with Tiny Chef, uh, so I you know I certainly see a Brian Tiny Chef Huevos Rancheros episode in there, don't that you? Is a tremendous amount of Huevos Rancheros. <laughs> really remarkable. With the fact that you could see a producer's work you admire share their life on social media now, it's very different <laughs> yes. in twenty twenty. <laughs> yeah. Are you are you in, in this inspiring time as as you said of finding all these new ways to tell stories or create whether that's as silly and innocuous as, as Brian doing on Instagram or exploring these new platforms? You seem very steadfast in that of being open yeah. to whether it's a Quibi or something new. Oh, I, open, it, yeah. You know, it's it's uh, it's great. I've been intrigued by it for a long time. We've even made attempts that were sort of premature. To, to try to move into Push that, that area forward, yeah. and, and it was wrongheaded and, and, you know, we generated some losses on that, but, you know, but we're, but we're, we're, we're continuing to explore. My, my, uh, my daughter, Bryce is directing now. In fact, she has a documentary coming out, uh, dads, she also did Mandalorian and she's doing other things and, 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 and really into it. But the other thing she's doing is teaching. She teaches a class at NYU to drama students, but the whole thing is about being a hyphenate. It's about unleashing all of your creativity. And I think one of the other great things is it's possible to experiment with, with various mediums and, your, and find your voice uh, in sort of more than one lane or, 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 or discipline within the sort of overarching world of, of storytelling. And I think that's, uh, that's, that it's empowering. She thinks it's... it's um, almost mandatory today uh, if you're going to have a career. When I saw Bryce in Toronto for that film, for Dads, which was great, she makes you cry in it. Everybody check out Ron Howard crying. <laughs> I wasn't even supposed to be in it. I, know. She told I showed me up to reluctant. say, hey, daughter, I'm proud of you. Dad, stand in front of the camera. 45 minutes later, I'm, I'm freaking crying on the camera. The what power happened? Of Bryce. <laughs> so she knows of my love, um, passion, 
for Willow. As she's walking out of the room, she's saying, my upcoming Mandalorian episode, here's a hint, Willow. <laughs> um, she didn't say that on camera at the time, of course. But yes, her, her episode had some, uh, uh, some uh, comparisons. Uh, uh, did you uh, take uh, some delight in that? I did. I, you know, and, uh, uh, but and she, learned, she learned so much and, and got so much joy out of it. And we, and we are developing uh, Willow as a Disney Plus show. John Kasdan, who co-wrote Solo, uh, the whole time we were working on that, kept talking about Willow. George Lucas had always believed that the next iteration of Willow would be should be TV. Uh, follow follow that story. It's a it's an updated and very different story, but uh, but it will have work, Davis. And you know it's not it's not greenlit yet. John's working on scripts. I'm 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 throwing in my two cents here and there, and uh, you know we're hoping we we get to do it. It'd be a blast. Is, is Willow the main character? Are we following Willow? Uh, Willow's a main character. A main character. A main character. Yeah. Well, Josh, you I can fly home. Up questions. I was about to say you can fly home to New York now because I feel like your Sundance has been. Yeah, that's, made. that's what I came to for. Was, it, was a Willow update. <laughs> Um, uh, Rob, we have a, a podcast on our network that Ethan Suppley does. He's a great actor who's yeah. popped up in things yeah. over the years. And, you know, you're somebody who's creating at a high level, directing, producing, yeah. writing, all these things. And he wants to know you have an insatiable artistic appetite. Do you find it necessary, necessary to focus on health to meet the energy required to go out there and create at a high level? And if so, what do you focus on most? Yeah, well, that uh, um, yeah, I mean, especially at this point in my life, you recognize that that you know that, that you 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 have to have to earn that kind of uh, you know that that sort of endurance and kind of the kind of focus that it takes to to keep telling stories and to keep to keep up with people and my little when I don't want to work out uh, and by the way I'm not I'm not spectacular but I'm steady um, and uh, and I always say I have this little mantra you've got to train if you want to maintain. <laughs> If you want to sustain, don't think of reasons to refrain. Just train. <laughs> so that, as corny as that is, it kind of, it kind of, it's kind of a kick in the ass, and I do it. And so, finally, looking ahead, so um, we're going to see this. Do we have a? a it's a National Geographic doc. National Geographic, you know, uh, paid for the film, yep. supported it, uh, and uh, it's in the fall. It'll it'll be on the Nat Geo uh, channel, but will but uh, in. April or May, we th- there will be a theatrical release of some kind as well. That was well worth it. I know I got a chance to see Pavarotti on the big screen, and with that yeah. sound, that was well worth it. I was so. anybody who saw Pavarotti uh, in in the in the movies uh, in in the cinema, you know, definitely benefited uh, from that. And uh, you know, and and I will say that um, you know, Paradise is very very cinematic. We we mixed it with a with a with a movie sound. Uh, and Hans Zimmer and Lauren Balf did the score, and it's, uh, you know, it's, it's powerful. The film Rebuilding Paradise, directed by Ron Howard, one of our favorites here at the Sundance Film Festival. Thanks so Thank much for so spending much. some time. That was director Ron Howard, director of Rebuilding Paradise. It's going to be in theaters later this year and on Nat Geo a little bit later on this year. Absolutely incredible documentary and a real joy to sit down and, and chat with Ron Howard. So uh, we always like to recap our respective evenings. I spent last night going to see Spree, uh, the world premiere of the film starring Joe Keery. And you got to go to a cool event that I actually, I actually legit regret not going to. Yeah, yeah, it was a really good one. Um, big shout out to my big brother, Sal Masakela, who is uh, here in Sundance. And Sal was like, hey, let's go to the Quibi party. 
uh, Quibi, the new uh, platform for mobile that is the talk of the industry. And it was a preview of Quibi content hosted by Jeffrey Katzenberg and Jim Toth. Sal and I spent 20 minutes outside of the party trying to get in until we realized Oh wait, we're trying to get into the wrong party. That was the Warner Media party with some guy from the National performing and DJ Cassidy, and we're like, why can't we get to take it twenty minutes? Festival rule number ninety three: know which line you're on. Right. Once we figured out, oh, Quibi's around the corner. Got it. We went inside, and it was really incredible to hold the phone and uh, immerse yourself in the storytelling. There's shows from Dave Franco and O'Shea Jackson Jr., and uh, they've got a chance the rapper version of Punked and Unscripted, and what's really cool about it is when you when you hold the phone the aspect ratio changes when you go horizontally and vertically and that oftentimes can play into the storytelling it's premium it's movie quality uh projection and sound on your phone um uh, yeah it's just the beginning that's what's intriguing to me is that it's bringing like this high-end production value this film kind of quality these movie stars liam hemsworth etc they're all signing on for this and it's designed for mobile and to take advantage of the way we review things on mobile. And if you think about it, if you're watching content on your phone, chances are it's either been shot on a phone, it's TV that's just repurposed for your phone, but it's not created designed for the designed platform. Yep. for the phone at the highest level. This is this is how real it is. I saw my um, my college roommate is a movie producer, and I saw his father is a big media mogul out here. And I said to him, I said, "You know how Quibi's real because your son is going overseas for three months to make a movie like at the highest level with top talent, and you saw it pop off the screen. It was really cool too to be able to intimately talk to the executives there about what their future is, what the plan." is they have a countdown clock in their office that hangs over them essentially of like when they're going live. It's going to be a big moment. It's going to be a big moment in culture and we'll see how it it hits. And it was really uh, an interesting experience to go to a a Sundance party that wasn't just schmoozing and cocktails and it was everyone kind of sequestered in a big lounge kind of immersing themselves in this content. Really different. And uh, I don't know, shout out to Big Brother Sal Masekela for the plus one. Very cool. Okay, so we have one more uh, little treat for the listeners today. Uh, we teased it at the beginning. We have producer Alec Baldwin wearing his producer hat alongside director Danny Madden uh, about a film that you were a fan of. You did the interview on this one, so we'll take it away. Yeah, I caught up with Alec Baldwin and Danny Madden. Alec Baldwin, obviously someone who's uh, um, no, uh, let's see, he's no, he's not shy to voice his political beliefs. Very diplomatic of you. Very, <laughs> let's put it out there. But what he's doing now is, is producing these projects that kind of humanize a lot of the issues that he's very passionate about. And the story of Beast Beast centers around uh, a couple kids in high school and a young man who's a few years older. Um, That character, played by Will Madden, is becoming a, a, a kind of a YouTube creator who has a real passion for guns. And then it turns into something far more sinister than that. And the stories interweave in a way that is not conventional and is um, incredibly powerful. So it was wonderful to sit down with Alec, who is uh, one of the icons of Hollywood. I've been really, you know, I've known him through my father since I was a kid. And, and it's great, always great to hear that iconic voice yeah, of his. No He's a like great it. podcaster. Except himself. for his brothers. I was going to say, there's no one like Alec Baldwin's voice, but except for the five <laughs> Baldwin brothers. Every time I say, Patriot. <laughs> Act, Patriot Act from, from The Departed. But yeah, here's my time with director Danny Madden and producer Alec Baldwin. We're here at Sundance, joined right now by Danny Madden and producer Alec Baldwin. The film is Beast Beast. I had the privilege of seeing it, and it is tremendous. How did you guys link up? How did you, Alec, get connected to the story? Well, my partner in my little company we have now in making uh, independent films, Casey Bader, 
had, among other things, combed shorts that came across his computer, and we saw the short of Beast Beast, which was here, right? Which is called Krista, yes. Krista. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah when, when we saw the short. It was at, and, so it was at uh, South by Southwest. Yeah. It's South by. Yeah, yeah. So it's all a blur to me, festival-wise yeah. now. So Krista, South by, I know it was Danny Madden was doing something. So we uh, uh, saw the short, and then that conversation, I mean, just briefly, that conversation is always, do they want to develop that into a feature? Do they have something else they're working on? We know we fell in love with Danny's writing and then he sent us the feature. And, you know, I mean, I, I think, uh, you know, all writer directors, uh, it's both. You know, I'd love to hear you talk about that, which is the writing. I mean, we read the script and we're like, this guy's a wonderful writer. So yeah, if I remember correctly, you guys were like, "Well, we watch shorts and we look out for uh, filmmakers with a voice that we're interested right. in." And I was like, "Cool," because we definitely that's that's where I have more confidence than in the screenplay. I'm like, I, I feel like the execution is more where I'm comfortable and where I can really push, you know. And uh, I was really happy that you guys responded to the screenplay and it was like, "Let's do it." And it was, it was kind of a rolling train, and we were probably six or seven weeks from filming, and you guys were like, "That sounds great. You guys got your shit together." And can we say shit? We just did, I think. Um, so I th what's also amazing is that it's not only the words on the page, but a big reason why this movie, I thought, worked so well for me is that you just knocked it out of the park with the casting. Mm -hmm. I mean, this cast of, of kids are just so believable, and there's moments that are, where young you're actors. thinking, we'll yes, young actors. Young actors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Young actors. Makes me sound You can old. say shit, but you can't say kids. <laughs> but you can't say kids. Make sure you're clear on that. Well, the thing is, and that's, that's part of the joy of like writing writing a movie for specific yeah. actors, you know? Like, Krista, the part of Krista was written for Shirley Chen, who played Krista in the short film. Um, the, the character of Adam was written for my brother, Will. It's a super complex character, a lot of kind of things going on there that are, like, tricky to, to navigate, and I knew he could, he would be willing to and could step up to that. And then uh, a part was written for Jose Angeles, who was someone I met through a friend. He's a Bay Area kid. He's Bay Area, just awesome in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, just an amazing talent, and so we were like, let's put that talent on camera. Let's do it. I mean, you know, you can have the best uh, platform, you know, a good script, and he's a very talented director, but there is some luck involved. You know what I mean? You, you got you to get lucky in terms of casting, and, and, and he got very lucky. Everybody fills out those roles beautifully. And it's also a beautifully edited film. You know, when you're going to tell a story, which is young people groping their way toward, you know, who they want to be at that age, which is always so painful in a way, um, you know, that's the meat of thousands of hours of television and films I mean how do you make that fresh you layer it all together and it all yeah. has to come together and it the does casting, in this the writing the director the editing all of it and you did a great job the podcast series we're doing this year is called the festival rules so do you guys have any rules for surviving these festivals for whether it's South By or Sundance or things that are little tricks that you've kind of probably different from taken on over the world. years why don't you go first well, I just keep saying cinema is truth I just to say that cinema is truth <laughs> no matter what they, whatever they don't understand in a post-truth world I just keep saying over we know it's the only truth. truth. I think it's the only Everyone's truth. Like, like, yeah, I think like you're right. the truth. Yeah, I think we, we tell the truth. I would say cinema, <laughs> cinema is the only truth. Uh, is how I would respond to that. Um, I don't know. I have a lot of fun. I, I every corner I turn, I'm inspired by somebody I bump into. Whether they're the we rode on a bus with some kids from the North Carolina School of Arts the other day, and they were like, "Oh, hey, well," and then we just end up chatting for 30 minutes, and then or you bump into people who you've seen in things or whose films you've enjoyed, and I, I love it. I, yeah, I think it's really great. We're sitting and watch a movie. We, we, we yeah. saw Brian Fogel's movie today, uh, The Dissident, about Khashoggi's murder and the mm -hmm. aftermath. And everybody was numb after the film. So yeah. to really sit down in a kind of a dedicated space where you're either going to, uh, you know, mingle with people and schmooze with people or watch a film. Because so much film content I watched, I was like in my bed at midnight on a computer with a, yeah. a, a link. <laughs> right. You know, my wife next to me, yeah. like, you know, rolling around and... Uh, 
and uh, so I took like like this year for the Academy season, I really did try to watch as many screeners as I could. I watched a lot of films this show, unlike other years where I didn't have time. But uh, yeah, it's just uh, just the intense fellowship mm -hmm. of the movie community. It's also funny as a native New Yorker, I'm kind of uneasy chatting with strangers on the bus. Like these are things you usually do in New York. You kind of put your head down and go about your business in New York. But here everyone's so friendly. So I'm like, wait, am I looking, trying to get yeah, my yeah, wallet? My like, why is everyone so nice like, to me? It's like my brother calls it freshman orientation. <laughs> He's like, we're all here, we're all together, everyone's yeah. excited, and it's a great is way to look at it. Yeah, so yeah, it's great. You know, Alec, as a New Yorker and someone who's been obviously following your career and and tends to agree um, politically with you on a lot of things, I love seeing you a part of this movie because it's a way for you to sort of humanize a lot of the issues that are talked about on a thirty thousand foot level, if you will. So that's something that maybe brought you to the story to sort of see the human level in a lot of the issues that I know you're passionate about, just from following you on Twitter. You know, the first thing, to be honest with you, that got me, and I've said this a couple times now, and I said this to Danny principally, was the dialogue and the script. You know, everybody spoke in specific language. You know, the, the, the more articulate and kind of muscular dialogue belonged to this character. And other people spoke in kind of a more way people normally speak, were more normal people, and people who struggled to articulate what they wanted to say struggled. He individualized the dialogue, which I always feel is really essential. Because uh, in some movies, everybody kind of speaks in the same glossary, you know, which I find a little uh, annoying. But um, we have put our name, Casey and I, on five movies last year. We did uh, this movie, Crown Vic, that we produced with Thomas Jane, that Joel Sousa wrote and directed. Uh, we did uh, um, Anthony Baxter's movie, uh, 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 Flint, about the Flint water crisis. Uh, Danny's movie, um, uh, Beast Beast. What else? Uh, we did uh, We did the DeLorean film that I was in with uh, uh, Don Argon and Sheena Joyce. And the fifth one was... There was a fifth one, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's got to be empowering uh, for you as a filmmaker to know the that Irishman. Yeah, we produced that. Yeah, we produced the Irishman. To have a film, a filmmaking partner, a producer who you know is passionate in the space about a lot of issues, and then to use sort of your creative process to help kind of bring those issues to light. It must be empowering. I yeah, it was great. I mean, that was something that we talked about early on. I mean, it was, it was sort of like, you were like, Hey, I want to come in. I want to help these, make these things happen. I want to do this. And then obviously like the, the kind of megaphone helps, you know, with the movie and stuff too. And I, that was a decision early on. It was like, Hey, yeah, if you, if you're kind of like, if you're seeing what we're seeing in this story, then let's kind of like put it out there together, you know? Yeah. Alec, you have the unique experience of watching the news every week, processing it like the rest of us, but then getting, getting to channel it through comedy by getting to play the president. Sometimes. The rest of, uh, the rest of us are not afforded that privilege of right. getting... Is it cathartic for you? Does it help you no, deal I with it? No, I hate every moment you of hate it. hate it. I hate it. I hate it. So when he's, when but he they're does, my friends. I love being with them. It's sure. very conflicting. I'm very conflicting. But when he does something on I Monday and Tuesday, and you're like, I got to go to work go, on God, Saturday. No. And yeah. I'm like, oh, no. Yeah, like, what was it? Uh, they, they found the tapes now of him saying fire or Yovanovitch or whatever it is. Right. And as soon as I saw that, I said, oh, shit, you know, here we go. Yeah, but they're my friends. So, I mean, I always go and do that. We're down to where I do it like once a month. Mm -hmm. I'm not doing it, obviously, tomorrow. Uh, uh, but I'm going to do it next week. Like in a weird way, I almost hope sometimes not to see you on the show. Yeah, he's not doing any crazy thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me too. Um, what's next for you, Danny? Because this is a, a wonderful piece, and I'm sure it's going to be uh, the springboard to something else. Yeah, and, yeah. I mean, that's that's the beauty of like a, a very long. I like to draw out post production. I like to really take the time and find the movie and the edit, which is is great because in the last few months it's been so, like really dialing some of the more like um, specific things with sound and with with color, like some things that are a little bit 
bit out of my hands, so it's opened up schedule. So I've been writing a bunch. I just I finished a new screenplay recently, and so that might be something to push next. And there's more there's more ideas on the docket, you know. So. Well, I hope everyone sees Beast Beast, which then hopes you know hopefully gets you to be able to make a lot of those ideas yeah, come great. to life. And I hope you get back in the podcast space because I enjoy listening to your quirky New York stories when you're doing. I got, them. Yeah, I got some good ones coming up. Yeah, I want cool to shot a movie yeah. in someone's apartment. Russ Tamblin, <laughs> you know Russ Tamblin, Russ Tamblin, who was one of the original cast members of West Side Story and he's Amber Tamblin's father and we interviewed him and oh my god this is a guy whose career he was like the boy king in uh, Samson and Delilah with Victor Mature when he was a kid and this guy's career he was in The Haunting with Julie Harris I mean you know movies so I mean old movies so it's like his career is like this crazy career and he comes into a studio in Santa Monica and does this interview with me at like 3 o'clock in the afternoon and I said can I get you anything the people from the uh, uh, studio staff said can we get you anything and he said he said yeah I'll have a martini <laughs> we were like, and then, yeah, and then you're like, ah, like, all right, baby. Yeah, it's going to be a good podcast. It's old Hollywood. It's old Hollywood. Great. Great to see you both. Congratulations Thank on you. Beast Beast. All right. Thanks. That was producer Alec Baldwin, director Danny Madden. Again, the film is Beast Beast, and that just about wraps up episode four of the Festival Rules, Ben. Yeah, what do we have on tap for the rest of the weekend? You're the gatekeeper of the schedule, oh so I just show up and <laughs> no. try not to bump into the furniture. <laughs> not always successfully either. Uh, no, we've got a lot going on. Uh, let's see. Joe Keery, Sienna Miller, Diego Luna, Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Um, Nicholas Braun, Justin Simeon. It's going to be a packed few days. That's tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's the next three hours. Andy Samberg, Aubrey Plaza. <laughs> we got a lot of big people. Carrie Mulligan. So... We're going to start to get really in-depth with these guys about the films they have here, and uh, hopefully they'll impart some of their festival rules right here on the Festival Rules Podcast. Remember to review, rate, and subscribe, spread the good word, and we'll see you on the next one.